uh, I believe this is the Holy Ghost wants us to talk about the blood, the blood of Jesus. And um, we are in final preparations for all that's coming forth in these days of harvest and the days of head. And, uh, we're, you know, that's what he said to me, final preparations. And, you know, when I'm cooking dinner, and this is how I saw it, when I'm cooking dinner for company, the final thing I do is put the bread in the oven. That's the last thing I do is put the bread in the oven. So we're in the, we're putting the bread in the oven. Amen. Hallelujah. And so there's some things we need to talk about concerning the blood. One of the things the Lord said to me is concerning the glory of God and, uh, um, is he said that you cannot separate the blood and the glory. You cannot separate the blood and the glory. In fact, the blood is very important to the glory. In fact, without the blood of Jesus, you will not have the glory of God. And so, uh, and, and one of the things the Lord just has been saying to me about the glory is that we're not to be frightened of the glory. So we're not to be fearful of the glory, that it's nothing to be frightened about. But on the other hand, here's what he said. He said, but tell them my glory is not fairy dust. It is not something, and he usually, he used those words, fairy dust. I'm like, but uh, he said, it's not something to be toyed with or to be played with. But we're to have a reverential fear of God, a reverential fear and awe of the power of God and of the glory of God, and we're, not, we're to handle it with reverence. We're, we're to handle it carefully and to handle it with reverence and with the fear of God. And so one of the ways we do that is by the blood of Jesus, and we'll see that more as we go on. That as we, as we handle the things of God, the, the, the things of the glory, the things of outpouring, the things of the Spirit, if we handle it with the blood of Jesus in mind, then we will be handling it very carefully. Amen? So it's, we're in a time of glory, and we need a thorough understanding of the blood. And we've understood the blood of Jesus a little bit, but after tonight, I believe we'll understand it some more. And uh, one of the things that we need to know, because of the times we live in, and the seriousness of the times, and all the stuff that's out there, and you know there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, it's just, do y'all notice an escalation? We do. I know on 69 South, where we live, it's just like there's more wrecks than ever before. It's like there's two or three wrecks a day going down 69 South. Do y'all notice that? Does anybody else notice that but me? It's just like, and it didn't used to be that way. There's an escalation of just demonic activity. But there's a greater escalation of glory activity and of God activity. Pastor and I have noticed a lot of angelic activity. Even in the last two weeks, we've noticed, ooh, there's angelic activity. In the last two weeks, there's been more spiritual dreams and visions and things like that. It's just like all of a sudden, ooh, we're, we're in it. Amen. And uh, Revelation, you just cannot open your Bible. It's like water just pours forth from your Bible. You cannot open your Bible anymore without Revelation just pouring out on you. It just doesn't matter where you go. It's just like, whoo, whoo, isn't that good? And questions that I've had for years just answered all of a sudden, just seeing it. It's like a, a greater, fresher ability to see. Amen. And so... Um, 
But anyway, there's an escalation. And so because of the times we live in, we just have to have a big revelation of the blood. And we have to release our faith in the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why more and more as we go. But there's uh, um, there's about four ways I saw. Actually, I had three down, and then I saw another one just as we were standing on the front row that we can release our faith in the blood. And one of you know, like the first one I was thinking about is how the old timers always pled the blood. You know, they'd say, I plead the blood, which I do that all the time. It, just nearly every day, I plead the blood. Well, I do every day. I mean, it just would be rare if I missed over. I plead the blood over my body and over myself. I plead the blood over my husband, over our property, and not in this order. I'm not giving this in order. I don't value my property above my children. I, I say something like this. I plead the blood of Jesus over Colin, Chris, Carter, Caitlin, Eric, and Anita. Something to that something to that fact. And then I say I plead the blood of Jesus over all the Word of Life church people. Hallelujah. All of their property. And, you know, and so I, I, I release my faith in the blood by pleading the blood of Jesus. And I think sometimes we haven't really, we've heard the old timers plead the blood, but we didn't know exactly what they were doing. And we don't really have a, a, a place in the Bible where it says plead the blood of of Jesus. But basically, here's what the Holy Ghost showed me, is that they were releasing their faith in the blood. And here's what happened, I'm sure, that sometime in a time of outpouring, that they got that by revelation. They got it by revelation, and then it got passed down. That in some service somewhere, somebody said, now you need to plead the blood. And I, I believe one place they got that from was in Exodus chapter 12, verse 7, if you want to go there. And it talks about uh, in Exodus 12 saying, praise God, hallelujah, we love the word. And it is the foremost and final authority in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We're basing everything on the word of God. Exodus 12, 7. And that's one place, what's, hey, family, that's one advantage that we have over those that went before us. You know, even we talked about this morning, the healing revivals of the 40s and 50s, you know, that came and restored, a, a, the, restored the supernatural into the, uh, into the body of Christ and supernatural healing. But they did not have had, they had not had the word revival. Because in the 70s, there came another move of God, and it was the word revival. And it was the teaching revival, however you want to say it. Teaching, the word of faith revival, the teaching revival, the word revival. And so, and that began to be, take. and so we have this advantage of all this word behind what we, and, and so now God's going to be able to move even even greater way. Because I talked about William Brandon this morning, some of you may have went, because <gasps> I used to do that when people said William Brandon is like, <gasps> oh gosh, we don't want to talk about him. You know, because he did get off into error. He had this tremendous supernatural move of God where healings and miracles was concerning, but he got off into error because why? Because he was illiterate. He could not read or write, and he did not know the word. And so at the end of the ministry, when the healing revival began to wane, well, he uh, he uh, he wanted he, he knew there was teaching was what was on the forefront and he wanted to teach and he started trying to teach and he didn't know the word and he got into error of concerning the word and went home to be with the Lord real early. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that does not discount the fact of the gift and we should not let it steer us away from, 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 from reading and studying and learning from that gift, that awesome gift that God poured out because those are the kind of things that's coming. He's a forerunner. And so uh, are you in Exodus chapter 12 verse 7? 
And I just wanted to throw that in because I nearly kind of felt that in the room this morning when I said William Brand, I could, you know, oh my God, don't talk about him. Because I used to really feel that way. It's like, oh, he got off narrow. We don't even, you know, I just want to throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. It's like, okay. And, uh, but we don't have to do that. Exodus 12, 7, it says, uh, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side doorposts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And then verse 22 and 24. And this is, we know this is the children of Israel in Egypt when uh, they were, uh, Pharaoh had been told by Moses, let my people go. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't respond. And so all these plagues were coming. And so this is what the instructions God gave them in answer to the plagues coming. The, the, the Jews were to put the blood on their doorposts. So y'all know the story. In verse 22 then it says, And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in thy basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out at the door of this house until the morning. Stay under the blood. Stay under the blood. Doesn't that, y'all see it? For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and then he seeth, when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. So we stay under the blood, hallelujah. We stay under the blood because there is a destroyer out there. That's the devil. Not God, but the devil is the destroyer. And so, uh, so they, ple they, they, they pled the blood. So that's a way we release our faith in the blood, one way. The second way was that we, we did this a couple of weeks ago. We walked the blood walk. You know, it, it, it's, it's just important. It's not, we don't make a doctrine out of any of these, you know. Oh, but on the other hand, we just always are releasing our faith in the blood. You know, I just was quickened to this as we were singing because we sang, and, and that's another way. I thought of that. I didn't think of that, but I thought, you know, as we're singing about the power of the blood, and that's one thing the old timers really did too. They, way back there, they were singing that song, uh, I know it was the blood. They were singing that song, and, and so of course they were singing There's Power in the Blood, and we sang that. And so while you're singing it, release your faith in the blood. And that's what I, I said, oh, Father, I release my faith in, this, in the blood of Jesus. And I just believe the blood, the power of the blood is cleansing me, washing me, delivering me. You know, and so we release our faith as we sing. And I was just so quickened to tell you, don't just release your faith every once in a while. Be releasing your faith all day long, every day. Just constantly releasing your faith in God and, 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 and believing and releasing your faith. And, and, and thank you, Lord, I believe you for this. And thank you, Lord, I believe you that I know what to do. And I believe you for the mind of Christ. And thank you, Lord. I, and just be always releasing your... Sometimes there's people, there's Christians that are like once every four or five years they release their faith for something. No, no, no. We're constantly releasing our faith. Every song we sing, we release our faith in it. Every time we confess the Word, every time we re read the Word, we are releasing our faith in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Come on, get with the program. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's go on with God. Let's grow. Let's don't just be sitting there like a not on a log. Hallelujah. And so we last two weeks ago on Sunday night, just by, by unction, like the old timers got plead the blood by unction. By unction, we walked the blood walk. And we got that from Genesis 15, 9, if you'll go over there. And, uh, and we got it by, by inspiration, but pastor had taught on uh, uh, for several weeks on the blood covenant, talking about the Abrahamic covenant. 
of blood and relating it to our covenant that we have with Jesus over the blood. And so in Genesis 15, verse 9, it says, And he said unto them, this is the covenant with Abraham. Take, unto, take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Hallelujah. So three years old, uh, these, all these animals, and pastor told us how they would literally cut them down the middle and lay the halves open and how it was just a great wash of blood, just blood everywhere. And, and they would literally, uh, let's read, go on down to verse 12. It says, and they, no, that's not right. I'm in the wrong chapter now. Okay, and it's 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And so uh, God put Abram to sleep because he, he didn't want, he, 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 God made this covenant with Jesus. This was God and Jesus making covenant. This was not, or, or the Word, as He was in the Old Testament, and He wasn't Jesus yet, but He was the Word. But anyway, God made the covenant with the Word. He didn't make it with a natural man who could fail the covenant. See, Abraham could have failed the covenant, but Jesus would never fail it, so it made it an eternal covenant. It's still in force today, this covenant of Abraham, because God cut this covenant with... And he, so He put Abraham to sleep. And pastors all explained this, but I thought some of you might not have been here. So, And it came to pass, verse 17, that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between... And they passed between those pieces. And so that God and Jesus are the Word, are that smoking furnace and that burning lamp. And they passed between... They passed between the pieces and pastor told us how this is how they did it in a blood covenant is they walked the figure eight and so y'all remember two Sunday nights ago I believe it was may have been three but anyway we walked the figure eight and that was really I'm mean like oh we had guests that night John's mother was here and I'm like oh God she's gonna think we're nuts <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> and, and you know I'm and, uh, and then I think we had some other guests and I'm like oh my Lord but I knew we were supposed to and I put it off I wasn't gonna do it but I was like you are going to be disobedient if you don't walk this blood walk and then we get out there and there were so many of us that we were running you know we couldn't all get through but hallelujah but we did this figure eight and you know that figure eight y'all know that's the sign of infinity or forever Y'all know that? Okay, y'all got that? Boy, y'all pick up. Y'all are bright. Bright. Hallelujah. And uh, Okay, so we walked the blood walk. Well, the next day on Monday, I am just like, all day long, it comes to me over and over. I walked the blood walk last night. And man, I knew we had done, it, we had done right. And I just kept thinking, I walked the blood walk. And I, about three times during the day, I said that to myself. I walked the blood walk. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. I'm just releasing my faith in the blood. Well, I'm coming down 69 and it, this that afternoon. And, uh, and I'm just driving along in my lane. And I don't, and the light turns yellow up ahead pretty far in advance. And so there's a, man, a pickup beside me. Both of us just begin to slow down and we start braking. And, you know, I didn't just lamb them on. Y'all know what lamb them on is. You know, I didn't just lamb on my brakes. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, I just start slowing down. And all of a sudden, I hear somebody honking, honking. And I hear tires squealing. And all of and I, without, it didn't even, it was not even a thought. I just, all, I'm just all of a sudden, and I'm not even going anywhere else, but all of a sudden I just pull into the lane to turn like I was going to go to Taco Casa. I just went, it was as smooth as silk without even thinking. I thought I walked the blood walk, and this huge dump truck just squeals up to that light. 
In other words, he thought, we'll just go through this. You know how they're all running red lights now. Hallelujah. And I was like, and, but you know, the first thought I had was, I walked the blood walk. I walked the blood walk. I'm telling you. And so I go home and two days later, pastor comes home and says, Colin was telling me about, and Colin, I hadn't even talked to him about this, but Colin was telling me about how he was in Birmingham and he was coming down a hill with a load of sod and his brakes failed because he had such a heavy load beside him and there were people coming, but somehow, some way, he negotiated through that intersection with failed brakes and this heavy load and people coming and can't stop the pickup. And I thought, but when he, when he, the minute pastor said, I said, he walked the blood walk. He walked the blood walk. Hallelujah. So, I mean, it, it's just a powerful witness to me. Then the third way, well, actually, I think this will be four because I've given you release your faith and praise as we, as we sing about the blood. So this will be four now is, of course, communion. And so let's turn to Matthew 26, 26. And this is so such an important way that we release uh, our faith in the blood. Hallelujah. And we need to do this uh, much. We need to constantly stay under the blood as far as pleading the blood, as far as if you, wanna, if you are ever in this church and you want to walk the blood walk, you don't have to wait until we say walk the blood walk. If you've got an unction to walk the blood walk, bless God, get in the aisles and walk the blood walk. Hallelujah. And, and, you know, no questions asked. Hallelujah. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, as you sing about the blood, release your faith. But Matthew 26, verse 26, we see Jesus uh, talking about this. And as they were eating, and this is the Last Supper, actually, Jesus, or what we call the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup. Now, we usually kind of focus more on the bread. Why? Because, well, because we focus on the bread because mostly the church is understood about forgiveness of sin through the blood, but most of the church has not been has had not had understanding about healing through the body of Christ. And so we kind of focus on the bread. But tonight we're not focusing on the bread, we're focusing on the cup. And he took the cup, in verse 27, and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And uh, now, if you had an Amplified Bible there, it would say, instead of the blood of the New Testament, it would say, and I like this better, it would say the blood of the New Covenant. It says the blood, and other versions say that, the blood of the New Covenant. And, and the Amplified actually says that the blood of the New Covenant, this is the blood of the New Covenant that ratifies the agreement. This is the blood that's going, that ratifies the agreement between me and God. Between Jesus and God. See, and I, I love this when I first learned it. From, I think Pastor Buzzy's the first one I heard say this and learned it. Is I didn't make the covenant, so I can't break it. God's, going, God's in covenant with me. Since I didn't make it, I can't break it. The only person that can break the covenant is God or Jesus. I didn't make the covenant, I can't break it. So nothing I do is going to break the covenant, hallelujah, that we have with Almighty God. Okay, so that's, that's a good thing to get a hold of. Amen. And so this comes from Exodus 24. If you'll go back over there to Exodus. We're going somewhere with this tonight. Hallelujah. 
Now, I see a lot of people are just real mistaken about the glory and the Holy Ghost and the move of the Holy Ghost because sometimes the Holy Ghost moves through the Word. It's not all about laying in the floor and dancing and uh, shouting and, you know, do y'all know that if you go and go through the whole, the four Gospels, that it talks about Jesus? It says he went about teaching and preaching and healing. Three parts. So the teaching can move, be a move of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So we're having a little bit of that tonight. But, uh, but we're really uh, coming to a place to release our faith. Exodus 24. Because it's important that we be under the blood. Mm. Verse 6. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Hallelujah. And he took the book of the covenant. Now look at that. He took the book of the covenant. Now this is the old covenant. And read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath said we will do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant. See, the blood of the covenant. Now Jesus in Matthew 26 said, This is the blood of the new covenant. But this was the blood of the old covenant. Or we would call it that. Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So we have blood in both covenants, right? Y'all see that? And so that's where, that's what the New Testament covenant is based upon is this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. I'm going to get the Amplified Bible here. You know, I was really quick into this because... I've been thinking a lot about the blood and the deliverance in the blood and the protection in the blood and how they, why did they plead the blood for protection? And I saw this one morning as I was reading in the Amplified Bible. In Him, verse 7 in Ephesians, in Him we have redemption. And, and in the Amplified, it always kind of gives the definition of the word. Deliverance and salvation. See, we have redemption. We have deliverance and salvation through His blood, where do we get our deliverance? Not just deliverance from sin, but deliverance from all evil. Where do we get deliverance? Through His blood. No wonder they pleaded the blood. We get our deliverance through His blood. We get the, our salvation through His blood, the remission or forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of His grace and favor. So redemption, which means deliverance and salvation, comes to us from the blood. So it's important if we want to be delivered, if we want to be safe and protected, that we stay under the blood. We release faith in the blood. When we release faith in the blood, we'll be walking in continual deliverance, continual salvation. And salvation is actually the Greek word sozo, and it means rescue, safety, deliverance, health, so when we plead the blood or we release faith in the blood, we are actually receiving redemption. We are receiving salvation. We are receiving uh, our, our, our the God that God rescues us. If anything is to go wrong in the earth, He rescues us. He delivers us. He keeps us in safety. And He keeps us in health. It means to save, deliver, protect, heal, preserve, do well, be made whole. I release my faith in the blood.
So if I need healing in my body, I can release my faith in the blood of Jesus. And so it'd be good for me to, I plead the blood of Jesus over my body. I thank you, Lord, your blood is, is restoring my body and protecting my body. Hallelujah. You know, there's, a, there's things in the earth. It doesn't matter how thin the ozone layer gets, the blood will protect me. Amen. It don't matter how thick the carcinogens get, the blood will, I don't care how, you know, if what alert day it is. You know, the, the smog can get thick, but hallelujah, the blood keeps me protected. Amen. That's what we have to release our faith in continually. I'm delivered by the blood of Jesus. We sing, I've been delivered by the blood of Jesus. You know, we sing about these things. Well, why do we sing about it? Because deliverance, redemption, forgiveness and remission of sins comes through the blood of Jesus. It's all about the blood. Hallelujah. And so, wow, how powerless a religion is that says, well, you know, we, the, that's kind of gory, so we're not going to take those, those songs out of our hymn book. And we're not going to teach on those things anymore. I think, I wonder if they take communion. Well, if they do, they've just come to a mechanical thing that this is just, oh, juice, you know, we do this in remembrance of you. We don't even, they would have to if they're going to get rid of the blood. Hallelujah. It's a powerless religion. It's nothing. It's no better than the Masonic Lodge. You go in the Masonic Lodge, they say, do you believe in the existence of a supreme being? Yes. They say, oh, this is a, this is a godly organization. Well, you could be believing in Muhammad. He is a supreme being. Or Harry Krishna or something. That don't mean nothing that you, you know. And so it's a powerless. In fact, if you read teaching about it, it's a bloodless religion. There's lots of bloodless religions out there. Well, some Christian churches have started to become bloodless religions. We don't ever want to do that. Amen. We want to stay focused and, uh, on what, where our redemption is. It's in the blood. Uh, in, uh, in, e in Ephesians 1, 7, it says, it talks about forgiveness of sin. Our forgiveness of sin is in the blood. In 1 John 1, 9, it talks about, if you want to turn over there, why don't you? Hallelujah. 1 John 1, 9. Now, it amazes me how many Christians don't practice this, but I'm going to teach you to. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to get sin under the blood because in the blood is forgiveness or continual cleansing from sin. We continually cleanse by the blood. And so we get it, we get our sins under the blood. Um, no sin, no sin under the blood. Listen to this, this is important to the glory. No sin under the blood will ever be exposed. You get your sin under the blood and God will never expose it. It'll never be exposed and it'll never be judged. No sin under the blood will ever be exposed by God. It'll never be judged. Now, people may judge it. People may be, oh, you know, they, I know what they did when they were in high school. Well, we don't care what they say. We're not, we don't care. We, gotta, we don't care what they say, folks. Now, we want a good reputation, but we've all, all blown that already. 
I mean, if you went back far enough, you could dig up something on all of us, couldn't you? We're, we're striving to live before all men in a good way. But if we all went back, we could go back to high school, and I bet we could find some stuff on you. Now, some of you are looking at me like, not me. And you just, you know, got that little, you, you reached down and you put that little halo up there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I'm sorry, folks, it's tarnished if we're going to go by that. We're not going by that, though. We, you know, we don't care. And, you know, even, even if we couldn't find somebody that knew something true about you, we could find somebody that falsely accused you. You know, couldn't we? I know we could that. And so, uh, <laughs> praise God. I mean, oh, just, well, I won't go into that, but I can think of some things to say about that. Anyway, but... <laughs> Any sin under the blood will never be judged by God and will never be exposed by a true man of God. So in other words, you, don't, you can get your sin under the blood. You don't have to say, well, I ain't going tonight. There's a prophet there tonight. Oh, man, they're going, they might, boy, he might talk about me. Well, you know, if you don't got it under the blood, you better be, uh, you know, because that, that has happened. Oh, I've seen at Word of Life Christian Center, I've seen him walk over there and talk to somebody about getting out of adultery. And that is God. I mean, that is the grace and mercy of God. It happened in this church one time where one of our guest speakers got on somebody over here. Tough. Woo. You know? Well, it's not, that is not being mean. That's being merciful. God's saying, I, you know, you need to get this taken care of because it's going to hurt you. This is going to bite you. And, you know, God's been dealing. God doesn't do that first rattle out of the box. He's been dealing with somebody a long time. And they're not, they're, not, they're not responding before He'll do it publicly. But you get it under the blood, and it'll never be brought up by God. Hallelujah. Now, the devil bring it up to you, and you may bring it up to yourself, and your wife might throw it in your face. And we've all done that. And, you know, that's one of the reasons God tells us not to judge other people because, you know, they may have repented last night. They could have repented last night. You may have seen them do something yesterday, but what if they repented last night? And then, and then God doesn't know what you're talking about, and you're working for the devil. So we have to be careful, especially when it comes to judging people. And so, um, <clears throat> and really we need to focus on old number one here. You know, I'm really the only one I can, that can fix, that I can fix. Amen. And so, uh, <clears throat> so we get those, that we get sin under the blood of Jesus. It's so important to repent. And so many people just walk around, and you know, uh, you can just get under a heavy load of sin because you have unrepentant sin in your life, and you need to repent if you've sinned. First Corinthians eleven twenty three. If you'll go there with me. We're going to see some stuff. I think sometimes we don't talk about these things enough. Brother Hagin said, uh, you don't want to preach on sin so much that the people walk under condemnation, but you don't want to, but if you stay off it all together, he said, you got to preach on sin enough that they don't sin. So I'm going to preach on sin just enough tonight so that you won't sin, okay? Hallelujah. Because it, it, it's not a, it's not the... Though it, it's, it's not a good thing to reap. That's not the seed we want in the ground. We want a different kind of seed in the ground, don't we? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, Because some people will say, well, now God, God's not judging people. Well, you've got to, that's kind of, it's true in one sense, but you've got to, there's kind of two sides to that. The laws of sowing and reaping are still working, folks. 
both kinds of seed, every kind. God, you know what I'm saying? Those laws are out there. Amen. First Corinthians eleven twenty three. We'll see some stuff tonight. For I have received of the Lord uh, that this is about communion. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus. Now this is Paul. The same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Now he says I received this revelation from Jesus. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I like that in another version where it says, because as a child, I, I, we had that table up the front of the church that said, This do in remembrance of me. Y'all know what the table I'm talking about? And I was like, I don't get it. I mean, maybe y'all are smarter than me, but when I read it in another version, it said, This do to remember me. It's like, do this communion thing in order to remember me. Oh, okay, I can do that. Hallelujah. This do in order to remember me. After the same manner, verse 25, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament or New Covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance or to remember me. Amen. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Now, if we, it, it, the, the implication is there, we can either drink it worthily or we can drink it unworthily. See? Shall be guilty, if you do it unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself. So we need, if he says examine ourselves, we need to examine ourselves. And so let him eat of the cup and drink of that cup. For he that drinketh, eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment, is what that word means, my margin even says that, judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly, so we see one of the causes of Christians being sick is drinking and taking the cup and the body of Jesus in an unworthy manner, that's what some versions says, or unworthily, shall be weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, or that really means uh, die prematurely. So people, you know, we're supposed to be satisfied with long life. When a Christian dies in, when they're young, that's not supposed to be. And there always is a reason. Proverbs says, the curse causeless shall not come. So there's a cause. Now, we don't often want to know the cause. And sometimes we want to say, well, God needed them in heaven because we don't want to face causes. Right? And, you know, and I'm not saying that when a family's going through it right then is the time to call, talk about causes. It's probably not. But we don't have to lie and say the Lord needed them in His rose garden either. Hallelujah. But there's always a cause when a Christian dies prematurely when they're too young. And one of the causes is this, by taking the cup in an unworthy manner, or the body of Jesus, the bread, in an unworthy manner. For if we, and then he says in verse 31, this is a very important verse. Because people, you, I've heard people say, God's not judging anybody. Well, it, we, need to, we need to sort this out here, because it says, or, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Okay? So we're going to sort this out a little bit. So y'all bear with me because it might take a few minutes to do that. Uh, in verse uh, uh, 28, it says to examine yourself. 
Well, what we should we examine ourselves for? Well, there's three things I'm going to give you tonight to examine yourselves for. First of all, examine yourself to see if you're in faith. Because you know you can just take this cup and it just not be anything. And so in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it tells us to examine yourself to see if you be in faith. And did you know you can have faith and not be in faith? Now, everybody in this room has faith. Why? We're born again, and we've been given the faith of God when we got born again. But that doesn't mean we're in faith about everything. You know, you could say, uh, oh, well, Debbie, why don't you believe for a million dollars? Well, I'm not in faith about that right now. I mean, I could get there, and if, you, if God told me to, I'd start working on getting there. Well, actually, I am in faith about a million dollars coming into Word of Life Church in 2006. But if, I, if you just said, Debbie, believe for yourself a million dollars just to play with, you know. Now, I'm not in faith about that. But I could get there if, if, if I knew God wanted me to. If I had a word from heaven, I could get there. You see what I'm saying? So just because you have faith doesn't mean you're not in faith. And if pastor says to you, you know, you come up and say, Pastor, I, I believe for this and I'm just not getting it. And he says, well, you're not in faith. Well, don't get insulted. He's not saying you don't have faith. He's saying, he's saying there, there's a, you're just not in faith. You just haven't made the connection in that. Now, some people want you to say, no, it's God's fault or, you know, it is the devil's fault. But the devil cannot withhold anything for, uh, from us if we're in faith. He cannot withhold, and God won't ever withhold from us anything that we're in faith about that's not, and you can't be in faith about anything that's not God's will. You may say you are, but you're not. You say, well, I'm believing I'm going to the moon. Well, that's not in the covenant, so you can't get yourself in faith about it. It don't matter how hard you try. Oh, yeah, I'm in faith about it. No, you're not. You're just silly. And there's lots of Christians. You know, the, the lady that's believing for Gloria to die and for Kenneth Copeland to be her husband, and she's bought the wedding dress. Now, that's just plain silly. She can't be in faith about that. That's stupid. She's just wanting Gloria to die. And we have things going along not too different from that. I know situations not too different than that. Personally, up front and close. Not that close, but close enough that I, can, I could... You know, contact them. Anyway, just crazy things that people say they're in faith about, but they're not. You can't be in faith about that because it's not been given to you. Hallelujah. So, uh, so examine yourself to see if you're in faith. One thing we need to examine ourselves when we take communion: see, am I in faith about? Am I in faith to receive? Am I? Am I? Am, if I'm just, am I just going through this because Pastor always says it's time for communion, or am I in faith to receive something from this? Amen. Hallelujah. So we examine ourselves. Number two, we look to see if there's any hidden sin in our heart. Hebrews 12, 1. And that's where I, 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 I'm quickened to about that. It's Hebrews 12, 1. I'll read it to you real quick. We won't stay long because this is not our... Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Hallelujah, and let us run our race. So we need to examine ourselves to see if there's weights or sins that are holding us back. We got sin in our life. We should examine ourselves before we take communion. And what should we do? Not take communion? No, we should get it under the blood. We should ask the Lord to forgive us. You say, well, you know, I've got, maybe it's a habit. And you go, I know this is sin, but what if I did it again? Well, I don't matter. Get it under the blood and ask the Lord to forgive you 
and then receive communion and receive the power to overcome in communion. The strength to overcome is in communion. The deliverance is in the communion, remember, in the blood. Amen. So we're not saying, oh, if you, if you, you know, no, we're not talking, but we're getting under the blood. And don't just say, oh, though, this is okay, God, this is okay with God. No, it's not. It's not okay, and it's sin, and we need to acknowledge it as sin. And until we acknowledge it as sin, we'll never be free from it. Amen? And there's been things in all of our lives that we've repented from several times. Did you ever, I'll, I'll give you one. Lord, forgive me for being in strife with my husband today. Well, does that mean I'll never get in strife again? Well, it means I never want to get in strife again. <laughs> but, you know, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, you know. <laughs> Y'all see what I'm saying? But I get it under the blood of Jesus. I receive communion. And Father, I receive strength, Lord, that in our family we are walking above this in Jesus' name. And we're delivered from this demon of strife that follows us around and tries to stir up things between us. Okay? You see what I'm saying? And so, uh, uh, praise God. Then three, uh, uh, examine yourself to see if you're in proper relationship with the family of God. In 1 John 3, 14, it says, we, that, uh, it talks about that if we love God, if we know God, we love the brethren. We love the brethren. Amen? We got to get in proper relationship with uh, each other or nothing works. Nothing works when you're out of relationship with, 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 with the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter if I like you. It doesn't matter if I agree with what you're doing. I may not like your personality, but God didn't ask me if I liked your personality. He likes it. God, is, God has a, a lot broader scope than I do. He thinks, he thinks people are funny that I don't think are funny. I know y'all think people are funny that I don't think is funny. You enjoy people I don't enjoy. I enjoy people you don't enjoy. I'll tell you one, my Aunt Stephanie, I just thoroughly enjoy her. My whole family just bites nails over her. And you know, because she's just different. She's strange. She really is strange, but I just enjoy, I've always enjoyed Aunt Stephanie. Maybe it's just because she's the only aunt I got. Bless God, I just need to enjoy her. You know, I'm an only child. My mom, I actually have another aunt, but my mom never saw her kin, folks, ever. I think I've seen her, my aunt on her side one time my whole life. But uh, I just don't have any aunts and uncles. And so, boy, I just love Aunt Stephanie. But, you know, she bugs other people. Boy, she bugs my dad. Ooh, she bugs him. Ooh, hallelujah. You know? Hallelujah. And you know, she, she's just annoying. You know, she told Michael, she said, you're cutting your fingernails too short. It's like, like it was her business. <laughs> but, but I mean, she does. She just, and you know, but I just, I like her. See, I like people you don't like and you like people I don't like. And God likes all of us. So I don't, we don't have to, but we do have to love one another. And we do have to not have aught in our heart against each other. So we have to examine our relationships that we have. Hallelujah. You're not going to be able to have aught against your husband even. I don't care what, and, and receive communion and, and, and that work real well for you. You're not going to be able to have, you know, this problem with your, you know, you can just have problems with all sorts of people. Your boss or your, hallelujah. So we need to examine ourselves in that. So he told us to examine ourselves. Listen to this. Partaking of the Lord's table in a sinful condition causes the spiritual results and the healing effect of the body and blood 
to be made void. That's why we have to examine ourselves because it's just, it's just nothing if you don't examine yourself and get right, okay? So verse 30, he said, this was a cause that many are sick and die prematurely. Now he said, Drink, taking, drinking the cup and eating the bread in an unworthy manner, unworthily. Now there's two ways to do that. That could be that um, there's two things. You could be, there's a lot of people drinking the cup and taking the bread in an unworthy manner because not discerning, it says not discerning the Lord's body. They're just not even discerning that the, the body of Jesus I know this is how we were. We knew the blood of Jesus had cleansed us from sin, but we didn't know the body did anything. We didn't know by his stripes we were healed. So we were not taking in the body of we weren't taking the body in a worthy manner. So therefore, we were being sick because we weren't discerning the Lord's body. Y'all see that? Then another way to take this verse, and it's good either way, is is, is not discerning the Lord's body. Not being good. You know, Sister Bucketmouth and, and, and the strife person and all that, they're not discerning the Lord's body. Let me tell you, you want to be sick and die prematurely, start doing harm to the body of Christ. That is a dangerous place to be. We don't want to ever do any harm to the body of Christ. Amen? And if we have accidentally got over in strife or said something we shouldn't have said, which all of us have, we need to get it under the blood and we need to get forgiven. Amen? And we need to get that washed out of us. And we need to discern and know that the body of Christ is precious. The Baptists are precious. The Episcopalians that are saved are precious. I should say just the all of You know, they're precious. It doesn't matter if they agree with us. It doesn't matter if they believe like us. They're precious. Amen. And we aren't supposed to be doing them any harm. And what's more, they're not supposed to be doing us any harm. And when they do harm to the body of Christ and to the move of the Holy Ghost, they get themselves in trouble. I was thinking about Miss Gloria telling about uh, when, uh, who was it that came to Fort Worth with the healing, with a tremendous move of God back in the 40s. Some big minister came to Fort Worth and had a big meeting. And this, and this pastor in Fort Worth began to work against him and say bad things about him and talk ugly about him. And they said the last they knew of him, he was walking the streets of Fort Worth in a bathrobe, a raving lunatic. Now you get out from under the hand of God when you start working against the things of God. Hallelujah. So when we, even in the glory, anything you don't understand, like for instance, we walk the blood walk, you go, that was weird, I don't understand it. Well, just now just be calm and don't worry about it too much. Hallelujah. Now you might get kind of worried if we say, okay, we're going to be the first church of the blood walk and, and we're going to start, we're going to form a denomination of that. Now you then you might say, well, well, wait a minute. Now they're just, but you know, you, you don't have to understand. I didn't understand tongues the first time I heard them. And they were scary. And I thought, oh, I don't know if them people are weird or not. I kind of like it, but I kind of don't. You know? Do y'all see what I'm saying? Okay, so... Y'all with me on this? Stay with me. Verse 31. Now this is important. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now the first word, if we would judge ourselves, that word judge is the word dichronomen. Dichronomen in the Greek. D-I-E-K-R-I-N-O-M-E-N. Dichronomen. And it means, okay, if we would judge ourselves, it means if we would separate ourselves 
withdraw ourselves from, discern ourselves. If we, in other words, if we would separate from sin ourselves without anybody telling us to, without God telling you to, separate yourself from sin. Judge yourself. You've got the Bible. You know what's right and what's wrong. Hallelujah. Judge yourself. Separate yourself from, withdraw from sin, discern, discern yourself. Hallelujah. Then, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Whole different word. Whole different Greek word. It is, uh, it is ekro, ekrinometha, ekrinometha. I'm real good at this Greek, aren't I? Y'all like it? Ekrinometha, hallelujah. I'm liable to get nominated for something on that. <laughs> ekrinometha, the butcher award or something. Ekrinometha, it says, okay, if we would discern ourselves, separate ourselves, uh, withdraw ourselves, we would not be judged. Ekrinometha, we would not be condemned called into question, sentenced. If we would withdraw ourselves, we would not be called into question, condemned, or sentenced. Well, now, who's the judge doing the judging there? Well, I'll tell you who it is. It's not God. Now, I can prove this. Hang on. It's the devil. He's the one that condemns us. God doesn't condemn us. Call us into question. He doesn't sentence us. Okay? And if we look at Luke 18, 6, we can't go there tonight, but it talks about the unjust judge. I didn't know this for years. I tried to make that God, but the unjust judge is the devil. God's the just judge. And the unjust judge, it, he, he's the one, because we don't judge ourselves, we don't withdraw ourselves from sin, we don't pull away from sin, we don't lay aside sin, He condemns us. He calls us into question before God. He's the accuser of the brethren. He, uh, he, uh, he, he uh, condemns us. Now look at this, verse 32. Hang on. But when we are judged, listen to this, now it goes back to the first word, dichronomen. When we are judged, when we are uh separated, withdrawn, discerned. We are, he says here, we are chastened of the Lord. Now, he's, what he's saying here is when God judges you, He chastens you. Well, okay, well, how does He do that? Well, you have to look up the word chastened in the Greek. And you know what it means? You're going to be surprised. It means instructs. It means teaches. It means to learn, to teach, to educate. So if God, when, 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 when the devil, if we don't judge ourselves, the devil will call us into question. And he will sentence us, condemn us, and we know that's true. People that are in sin are walking around under condemnation. You know what I'm saying? Because the devil's on them, on them, on them, on them, on them. But God, the way he judges you is he chastens you. And what he does, and so, so you may get a scalding sermon. I tell you that, you may not like a scalding sermon, but that beats the heck out of the devil getting a hold of you. Excuse me, I didn't mean to say heck, but it does beat the heck out of it. You may not like somebody getting in your face. Kids, you may not like when mama gets in your face. 
chastens you, instructs you, teaches you. I've done that to my kids. Ham and I, would you all say that? Amen. You, and they didn't like it. Sure beats the heck out of getting run over by a train. And the devil, it beats, it beats the devil all, every day. Hallelujah. Even your husband may say, honey, you, are, did, you're, you, know, you need to look at this. And, you know, of course, he has to say that real nice or it's just going to be World War III. You know, but, but boy, doesn't, wives, doesn't that beat the devil any day? They're the hut for your husband to tell you you're in the wrong. You wrong, woman. Hallelujah. Now, and, you know, husbands don't like for the wives to say, well, you're wrong. The Jews believed in that, by the way. They believed that, that a godly wife spoke up. I'll read it to you sometime from the Tehillim. And, and I, I liked that part when I got to it. I was like, yes, I always believed that way. I finally found something that would agree. You know, but it sure beats the devil for your wife to tell you, you know, hallelujah, for you're the pastor to say, you know, you're missing it. You know, oh, I don't like that. Well, I don't like that. Well, it sure beats the devil. Because God chastens us. He instructs us, teaches us. And you know, He doesn't always do it real sweet either. Because I don't know about you, but I noticed in Christian school that kids wouldn't listen when I had some teachers that were very soft-spoken. I had two teachers, I remember. Miss Rodriguez and Miss Sines came when they came to the school. Actually, Miss Jones too, I had three. Uh, they were very soft-spoken. Now, I never was. I never have had trouble displaying authority. Well, the kids would just run all over them. So about the first, after the first week of school, I'd have to call them in every time we hired one, and I'd have to say, now let me teach you how to use your teacher's voice. Because, so sometimes you have to instruct, teach, chasten. you got to get... Because if we just stand up here in the pulpit all the time, and when well, I just suggest that you walk in love... There's some people in this congregation that just don't listen to that kind of stuff. And so sometimes it has to be a rebuke, uh, a, uh, doesn't it? And at your house, listen, if you just tell your children, I sure wish you would sit down in that chair. Do you think that kid's going to sit down? But I just didn't ever have any trouble getting a kid to sit down. And I never had any trouble. I had 33 of them in Christian school on the year we, the last year we had it. And I didn't have any trouble getting any of them to sit down, ever. Because why? Because I took, I, why? Because I beat them every day? No, because I took that, I got that chastening voice, that instructional. Now, did I use that voice all the time? No, I tried to love them. And some of them, I was able to do that more often than others. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying. I'm preaching to this side because they are more spiritual. They, they agree with me more. No, I'm just kidding. My kids are always, <laughs> no, no, they're not. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Y'all need to learn to know when we're teasing. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we're not. Amen. And I think sometimes you figured that out. Okay, so. God, when He judges, He educates us, instructs us to learn, to teach. And why does He do that? So we won't get condemned with the world. In other words, so Satan won't be able to do to us the very same thing he's doing to the world all the time. He won't be able to do to us. God doesn't want you to suffer. God doesn't want you to be chastened, excuse me, condemned with the world or judged with the world. Now, 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. 
because we can take this a little step further, and I think we will, because we're fixing to close. We may have to pick this up later. Because <clears throat> I got some more things about the blood and communion, but... Now, God has a sovereign right. How many of you know, Pastor talking about getting saved this morning. Now, if you really got saved and you made Jesus the Lord of your life, He's Lord, isn't He? That means the Bible says you are not your own. You are bought with a price. You're His. Just like now these kids, they're grown now. I don't have as much authority, but bless God, they were mine when they were little. And I am His. I am God's. And I, don't, I, I, I am at his beck and at his call. And I'm, I'm, I, I have enough fear of God in me to want to do what he's called me to do and be where he wants me to be. And hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying I don't miss it. I do. But, I, boy, I am working at it every day to stay in the perfect will of God. Want to do. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all got it. And so, uh, <laughs> 1 Corinthians 5, 5. But he, we're his. Now, you can get so far over there in sin, and you're not listening to the chastening of the Lord in the instruction, the teaching. And, you know, people get over there, and they're just not listening. Hallelujah. And, and, and God has a sovereign right to deliver, verse 5, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I want you to notice that God doesn't put something on their flesh. No, he, take, he delivers them to Satan. Why? He wants them to stay saved. They're going so far into sin that if he doesn't deliver them unto Satan for the judgment of their flesh, and this can, this can be things like a sickness and disease. It could also be prison. Judges the flesh, don't it? And so he delivers them to Satan to do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have any of that to give. But he takes the protective covering off, if you want to say. Why? That their flesh can get... Cause, so they'll wake up. Because when the flesh starts hurting, a lot of people turn to God. And he says that their, he says that their flesh may be destroyed... Hallelujah. Verse 5, are you all with me? That their flesh, for the destruction of the flesh, why? That the spirit may be saved. So notice when God turns you over to Satan, He doesn't turn you over to Satan so, oh man, they're going to go to hell because they got off into sin. No, they're going to go to heaven fast. Their spirit could be saved. They're going real fast to heaven. Because if God leaves them, if He just leaves them to their own devices, what? They're going to turn from Him, deny Him. And, and they'll, they'll lose it all. But he wants their spirit saved. Because you can get so far into sin that you'll... Hallelujah. So what do we do? We judge ourselves. So we're not judged with the world. So the enemy can't come in on us. Hallelujah. Because he's going... The enemy it will take every little keyhole you'll give him. Amen. But if we will stay under the blood, not only in faith... But in, 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 uh, in, by walking uh, in love with the body of Christ and, and by, by staying out of sin. You want to be out there in sin? You want to go to the bars on Saturday night? Folks, it, the, the devil's out there. He, he lives out there. That is his domain. 
What? You say, oh, no, but I'm a Christian. God will protect me. No, that's not a place to be protected. Hallelujah. You just get out there, and so we have to continually be bringing ourselves back under. Hallelujah. Continually. You know, don't ever let the first thought that's not right, that's not, that's not clean, repent right then. And not only repent, but resist it. I've been, I, don't, I don't know, I, t I tell to say, that I am not thinking that thought in Jesus' name. I'm not taking that trash. I will not think on those things. I refuse that nasty thought. I'm not taking it in Jesus' name. I resist. Evil thoughts come to everybody. The devil, hallelujah. Birds fly over, but you don't have to let him build a bird nest in your hair. And that can be unbelief. That can be, well, you know, Pastor Michael, well, that's an evil thought. Just don't go there. Just don't, you know, it's just, you just keep thinking on those things and you're just going to get more swelled up and bowed up and be an old toad. Hallelujah. And then first thing you know, hallelujah, it comes to the place where God's got to judge it. Because God's no, let me tell you something, God is a preserver of righteous seed. He's no respecter of persons. Does he love everybody as much as he loves us? Absolutely. But he's going to preserve what he's working on. Hallelujah. And you can look through the Old Testament and see, did he love the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites? He loved them, for God so loved the world. But he was preserving righteous seed. Bless God, he was getting Messiah here, and he's going to do whatever it took to preserve that line of Judah. That blood, that line, you know, I'm talking about that genealogy, that line of, that, that, uh, that heredity, you know. He had to have all these people. And he had to have that line, and he's preserved that righteous seed. God told me that a long time ago. He's no respecter of person, because I'm like, oh, I don't understand why he's killing these people in the Old Testament. Because it says he killed them, but, you know, hallelujah. Allowed them to be destroyed, however you want to see it. Well, why? Because he's a preserver of righteous seed, and he still is. And he planted Word of Life Church, and he's going to preserve it. Don't get in his way. Hallelujah. I'm not getting in his way. I am not getting in his way. Thank you, Jesus. He's going to preserve it. Hallelujah, because he started it. Let's stand up together. Well, this is different tonight, but sometimes we need to know.